A reading from the book of Genesis. Israel loved Joseph best of all his sons, for he was the child of his old age, and he had made him a long tunic. When his brothers saw that their father loved him best of all his sons, they hated him so much that they would not even greet him. One day, when his brothers had gone to pasture their father's flocks at Shechem, Israel said to Joseph, your brothers, you know, are tending our flocks at Shechem. Get ready, I will send you to them. So Joseph went after his brothers and caught up with them in Dothan. They noticed him from a distance, and before he came up to them, they plotted to kill him. They said to one another, here comes that master dreamer. Come on, let us kill him and throw him into one of the cisterns here. We could say that a wild beast devoured him. We shall then see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to save him from their hands, saying, We must not take his life. Instead of shedding blood, he continued, just throw him into that cistern there in the desert, but do not kill him outright. His purpose was to rescue him from their hands and return him to his father. So when Joseph came up to them, they stripped him of the long tunic he had on. Then they took him and threw him into the cistern, which was empty and dry. They then sat down to their meal. Looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead, their camels laden with gum, balm and resin to be taken down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what is to be gained by killing our brother and concealing his blood? Rather, let us sell him to these Ishmaelites instead of doing away with him ourselves. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh. His brothers agreed. They sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. Verbum Domini.
Jesus said to the chief priests and the elders of the people, Hear another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a tower. Then he leased it to tenants and went on a journey. When vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to obtain his produce. But the tenants seized the servants, and one they beat, another they killed, and a third they stoned. Again, he sent other servants, more numerous than the first ones, but they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, thinking, they will respect my son. And when the tenants saw the son, they said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and acquire his inheritance. They seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. What will the owner of the vineyard do to those tenants when he comes? They answered him, He will put those wretched men to a wretched death and lease his vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the proper times. He said to them, did you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? But the Lord has this been done, and it is wonderful in our eyes. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that will produce its fruit. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they knew he was speaking about them. And although they were attempting to arrest him, they feared the crowds, for they regarded him as a prophet. Verbum Domini.
Envy is one of the worst sins, which causes many uh, much dissension and uh, murder in this life. St. Francis speaks often about envy, in, especially in the admonitions, and says that envy is comparable, is analogous to blasphemy. Says, he who envies the good that the Lord says or does through another commits the sin of blasphemy because it is the Lord who says and does every good and everyone. That we often are judging, of course, when we envy another, we are judging by the ways of the world, our frailty, maybe looks, ability, uh, OCD, <laughs> for, for a little, uh, or some kind of honor, riches, wealth, health. We are envying that which our Lord is doing, that is, from the basic. Let's go back to the basic. He creates us. Then he sustains us in existence. He is the giver of every health and blessing. And yes, he supports, he inspires and supports our will. So those who live in the grace of God are actuated more powerfully by his presence. And especially fidelity to the Holy Spirit leads us to greater gifts. So. Anyways, we're dealing with nature here with Joseph. So Joseph, you know, being the child, the youngest, your beloved, <laughs> naturally, and, uh, you know, has these other gifts. And it's interesting that even, uh, let's move to the story of King David. And, you know, the oldest, when Samuel comes to the family, to anoint a new king, the oldest is tall and handsome. And he's, the Samuel says, surely this is him. And then God says, not by sight or the, you know, by man's reasons does God judge, but by the heart. So then it, he says, no, these six children, no. And he says, you must have another child. And then, then David comes, young and ruddy and handsome to behold. And he said, well, I thought that wasn't important, right? So anyways, envy. So envy, that often when we struggle, when we catch ourselves annoyed with someone, we have to check our heart. And this, of course, we have several commandments against envy, maybe Maybe every commandment could, would, at least has uh, an association. The salve, the balm, to envy is gratitude. And living in gratitude to God for the gifts, not only that he has given us, but the gifts that he gives another. 
And that litany of humility is so beautiful in that, that he said, you know, that others should be given gifts even greater than I. But this is a, uh, that every good, being fully convinced that every good uh, comes from God and gives glory to God. And if whatever he's do doing through another, even should the person be, you know, have issues <laughs> in other ways. If it gives glory to God, it gives glory to God. And it's not up to us at the same time what, I mean, it's up to God himself <laughs> what gives glory to him. So anyways, um, gratitude and humility that in, in, in all these situations, the vineyard, the, the brothers, that they, they uh, push against the, the present moment, push against that which God had given them in seeking to make our own way, forcing ourselves, and this is the aspect of blasphemy, to, to try to uh, explain that, what Francis is saying is, we are saying to God, you are supposed to have given us, you know, blank, you know, good health, uh, riches, you know, um, the, uh, I mean, the the uh, fiddler on the roof, you know, would it have destroyed some great, vast, eternal plan if you had made me a wealthy man? <laughs> you know, it, that's a that's a, a separate one, but. Uh, we are telling God what to do. And to, to, you know, to allow God to be God and to do as he pleases and to love him even more because that will is extremely lovable. His presence and the effects of his presence in our lives is extremely lovable, beyond lovable, if that... Uh, is possible, at least in heaven, <laughs> as we are become like him. Uh, for we shall see everything as it is, not just him, but everything. And so there will be no envy. We will see the whys of everything. But for now, to give great praise to God.